Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, as a word of introduction, my name is Walter Serdaki. I teach youth and family ministry at Lipscomb University. I used to serve as the youth pastor here at the University Church for about five years, then 10 uh, years at the um, Campbell Church up in Northern California before teaching um, at Lipscomb. Is that the one you were disfellowship from, or is that? Um, is that, that, was is that on the tape? Well, that was before you got arrested. That's right. That's good. Um, so, uh, and then this is my colleague, David Frase. So, uh, we met actually in 1998 at um, Felton, California, at a daybreak Labor Day camp and uh, became fast friends. And at first, I'm like, I don't know, I'm a little, little bit more extroverted than him, I thought, until he got on stage that afternoon and shot in a very illegal, this is California, potato cannon, homemade potato cannon candy at students and i'm like not at okay. students i shot Dude, it up the, into the sky okay i mean we're talking like <laughs> illegal and he just told me today this is for tape audience um when he was here doing youth ministry he decided to go down the hill here on ice blocks ripping up the grass security comes in and he doesn't say oh excuse me security let's he what tell him what you did i looked at my guys and i said Run! <laughs> well, we, as, as inept as campus security can be, um, they did catch up to us. I'm sitting here having a conversation in this parking lot with campus security and just saying, I'm very sorry. It's just a bunch of guys. We're just having some fun. And I'm looking over the officer's shoulder, and there's one of my kids from my youth group with his video camera <laughs> taping, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? So. The, and they may not even remember that show, except from YouTube fame. Woody will remember it. Woody will remember it. So, so now we got to have all Josh, them. you were on an episode, Josh. weren't you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Josh was. There, there, we're, we're carrying nuclear briefcases in this room. We can all get fired. My name is Walter Serdaki. I'm going to just change my personality then so okay, you can get right. fired. So he works at Lipscomb. He said, I work at Lubbock Christian. Been friends for a long time. And he'll tell you more about why we wrote this book here in a second. But it's, uh, it's the book we wanted to write 32 years ago mm -hmm. that we couldn't write. So Yeah. So, so why did we write this book? Well, about 10 years ago, after doing youth ministry for 18 years here on the West Coast, I'm a volunteer, find myself as a volunteer in our youth ministry. And the youth minister couldn't be part of the end of the summer raft trip. So he's like, Walter, you're a great resource. Can you run this trip? I'm like, yeah. Been there, done that. Got it all planned, excited about the weekend. Get in my car, start driving up to church to meet all the kids. And my heart starts pumping and my stomach starts turning and starts doing backflips. And I literally had to pull over to the side of the road, open my car door and go, Whoa, and lose my life. I was so nervous. And one of the reasons why I wrote this is like, Walter, you've got this. You've got 18 years of experience. And I started to think, well, what, about, what about Debbie Oswald, who's a parent in my youth ministry? What about Lori Netterville, who would love to help out, doesn't know how? And that's kind of where this book came from. So I want to tell you one story. I... As I was working at Campbell, I had a mom in my youth ministry. Her name is Chandra. She graduated from Lipscomb. She's a mom, has two kids, one who is already in the youth group. And she's like, Walter, I, I want to help out. I don't know how to help out. 
I'm like, well, do you want to teach a class? She's like, oh, no, 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 no classes for me. I'm like, well, you know, tell me, tell me more about yourself. So when she graduated Lipscomb, she was an art major. She started working for Lifeway. And she used to kind of put, do graphic design and stuff for their um, VBS curriculum and stuff like that. And I was like, well, do you know, um, do you know about uh, Photoshop? She's like, Photoshop? I love Photoshop. Come on in, we got plenty of room. Anyway. Um, oh, I was like, and you so, told her that, but there was somebody at the back door. Some like, back door. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I was like, help me design a t-shirt. Because, you know, you can't do youth. That's, that's class one, is how do you design a t-shirt for youth ministry? So she and I sat in my office, and she showed me how to use Photoshop, and we designed our first t-shirt. And from then on, she was saying, hey, what kind of graphics packages do you need? And she never taught a class, but she used her gift and she felt invested. So um, these two ladies back in 1991, I was 21, Lisa was 19, my wife, and we started at Green Lawn. And within a week, I had an argument with uh, Kelly Rogers, Mama Rog. If you know Josh Ross, this is his in-laws. And mm -hmm. so week one, Years later, when I had over 20 years experience, I went and worked at the Hills. Uh, about a month in, I had an argument with this lady. Um, it's just awesome. I guess I attract that. It's, it's a pattern. Um, and this is the Kemp family. Now, here's, here's why I'm giving you these two pictures. Uh, when we look back after 32 years, we realized that we stumbled into a lot of great adults and some things now that we can codify and say the importance of adults and we can give you numbers and do all the doctorate thing. Um, most of our youth ministry was done with adults and, and adults that were very much involved. Um, I still get a call on May 2nd when we had a bus wreck at Green Lawn from Kelly. Kelly was first elder trip and he was on there and every year without fail he calls and it's a very emotional conversation. Um, Rick, the, he was very big here. He has now new lungs. Uh, he never smoked, but he had to have a lung transplant. Uh, Rick and Wendy Kemp are very dear friends of mine, and we've shared a lot of life together. These are special because my mom and dad and Lisa's mom and dad have passed. When my son was married a couple of years ago, these are the grandparents that walked down the aisle and helped get Braden married. And so... Hopefully you understand from, and the, these, these stories are in the introduction and the dedication, because um, we do youth ministry with adults, and that's something that you have to know, and that's something you do know, but we haven't done a really good job training them or understanding what their place is and honoring them. So some of them make some really dumb mistakes because they don't know how to work with us, and we don't know how to work with them. So very unique book. So at the very beginning, we say some things that, um, let's see if I did this right. I don't you think did. I'm connected anymore. Did I do it right? You did, but I'll push. I'm trying new technology, folks. It's fine. There you go. Um, how to read the book. It's written like the Red Book, which we'll talk about a little bit later. We have a short theological explanation of why a concept is important. We talk about some suggestions on how to do it and then give a now suggestion. Parent is the most often used word, uh, but it's, uh, it's basically adult. So this is a book you can use for adult volunteers, whether you have, uh, whether they have kids or not, whether they're married or not. 
Um, that's just interchangeable with adult. Let's see if I can do it. Did I do it right? There we go. This was cathartic for us. This is how we started the book. All the things you wanted to say to parents to set their expectations. Um, we can't fix your kid. And we go through a long explanation of that. That's not our job. We're not there to fix your church. We can't do that. We're not there to fix your child's day at school. All right? We're not there to make your kid popular, and we can't fix you. But then we go into the idea we can assist you in all these areas, but that's not our job. And it's amazing that people who've had these books in their hands are like going, okay, thank you for saying that, but automatically it sets us up on a partnering platform and not us against you, and it doesn't make us superheroes, and it doesn't make them the villains. We say from the very beginning, we're going to do this with you. Now, here, well, here's what we're going to do with our time. We'll do some Q&A at the end. Um, Walter's going to take you through a chapter of the book. I'm going to take you through a chapter of the book. Kind of sample a little bit about these chapters, and you can kind of see the kind of resource it is. Yeah, so um, when I started in youth ministry, um, a lot of the literature, you go to Youth Worker Journal, or you had these other kind of... Uh, weekly or monthly kind of newsletters and you have all these um, comics in them and a lot of the comics were about how parents were the enemies and so it's like we would be hey you parents thanks for your kids we're done with you thank you very much and we began to quickly realize that's not the way to do youth ministry and I started to that kind of train of thought made me think this is my youth ministry this is my youth ministry it's mine and I don't need parents in this. Well, it took me a long time to realize that the youth ministry is not mine. It's a ministry of the church. And sometimes our parents are, and the, the people in our church think, well, yeah, that's David's youth ministry. That's Woody's youth ministry. Let him take care of it. That's what we're paying you for. Instead of helping them understand, no, youth ministry is a ministry of the church. I love this passage. I take my students through it several times through their time in um, my program at Lipscomb. Where you see Jesus, um, we've got to back up. He says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, that he was returning to God. Stop there for a minute. Jesus knew he had all power under his control. I mean, that just gives me goosebumps. I mean, what would you do if you had the power of the universe at your disposal? I don't know about you, but I'd go to Italy, <laughs> right? Get some gelato, hang out on the Ponte Vecchio, and have a nice 18-course meal overlooking the Arno. What's Jesus do? Gets up washes feet, scrapes off that toe jam with a smile. So we don't have to kind of teach people that, you know, serving is kind of the core of the Christian um, ethic, right? Um, it's, it's, it's who we're called to be. So when you go to a restaurant or when you go to a theater, there's this part of the theater that's known as front of the house, right? Front of the house is that place where um, you have that first contact with the public. It's your 
point of first contact. You can make or break a person's experience with a greeter who is uh, happy or a greeter who you're bothering them, right? Um, and so we've divided helping parents think about how can I serve in youth ministry in three different areas. Front of the house service is that first part. How can you help kind of students who are just coming into your youth ministry to know that, hey, we love you and you're welcome and we want you here. So I had this 80-year-old lady. We all have 80-year-old ladies at our church, right? Got the blue hair. Um, you, you don't know if she's going to make it through church, you know? You don't <laughs> oh know when gosh. she breaks the communion, if the, if the communion's going to break or her finger's going to break. We all have those people. They're wonderful, lovely people. And I had Miss Mary come up to me, and she said, Walter, I'm never going to teach a class. I can't do small groups. Don't even think about getting me going on a retreat or helping at camp. I can't. I love these kids. What can I do? And at our church, we have, um, we have this door. And this door leads up a set of stairs that goes into our youth room. But this door is an intimidating door. If you're a sixth grader or a ninth grader and this is your first time, or if you don't know anybody, or if you had a bad week, you're just like, I don't want to go to that door. I remember Jordan would not go to that door. She'd go to the women's room, take the stall, and she told this story at grad night. It was like, I used to make noises when people came in. <coughs> but she'd hide out there because she was terrified to go to this door. So I said, Miss Mary, here's what you can do. Stand at this door and say hi to people as they come in. And then as you get to know, get to know their name. And so every Sunday, here's what she do. She'd stand at the door. She'd go, hey, Chris, how you doing? Give you a big hug. Hey, remind me of Lindsay. What's that, Lindsay? Leanne. Hi, Leanne. How you doing? Still Leslie. <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> and then when class starts, she just mosey on over to her class. But Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, she was there for our kids. And every one of our kids would point to, I love Miss Mary. I love Miss Mary. Or I think about uh, helping. Uh, <laughs> this can be the best resource in your youth ministry. This can be the worst experience for kids in your youth ministry. So I had a guy named Bob said, Walter, I'll drive. I'll drive. I got my spot. I'll drive. Well, great, Bob. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do just two things. Drive, right? Do all the things you need to do to drive. Right, right, right. But here's what I want you to do. Shotgun, I want you to use that as a ministry opportunity. He's like, what? What do you mean? He said, every time we stop, swap out that seat with another kid. And all, all you need to do is find out their story and tell them your story. All right. I can do that. Because Bob's a talker. We all have those talkers, right? And so Bob's driving, puts Woody there in shotgun. Wait, tell me, where are you from? What do you like to do? And for the next hour and a half till we have a bathroom stop, he's telling his story, talking, and vice versa. We stop. He's like, all right, baby, I'm done with you. Find another seat. <laughs> Susan, have a seat. Get in there. And no one could say no to Bob. What kind of theological education does that take? And then on the flip side, what kind of impact does that make? And so you know what happens with Bob? You know, half the time, what's your bus drivers do? They just drop the kids off go to their dorm room or hang out in the parking lot and smoke, right? 
None of your churches do? No. <laughs> just, right. Or you've got backstage service, right? You got those places where, you know, backstage is where all the props are stored, costume changes occur, sets are held, actors prepare their next scenes. I mean, this is the place with an inordinate amount of support happens. So what are those behind-the-scenes places that your ministry needs help and needs service? Well, there are some people in your church, I pray for their souls, but their love language is spreadsheets in Excel, right? <laughs> the best thing I can do in Excel is add up a column. That's all I know how to do. But I had Susan who, I mean, that's her love language. She bleeds Excel. And I'm like, Susan, can you help me put together a database. Oh, yes, I can. What do you want it? How do you want it to look? I don't know. I just know the word database, and that's important. She's like, I got it. Right. Or you think about cooking or all the other areas. Or another way of doing backstage service is just saying, hey, can you pray for our kids by name? Some of our kids... If someone's not praying for them by name, may not get prayed for this week. So here's a list of kids' names. Here's a list of kinds of things you can have them just pray for. Again, what kind of Bible training and prep does that need? None. But what kind of impact does it have? It's huge. And then, and then you do have those few parents who can be on stage, right? I mean, oh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> There, are, there is a place where this is the area that, that terrifies most parents. It's like, I can't, I can't teach a Bible class. I can't lead a small group. I mean, we know that public speaking is one of the most common fears of most people. However, I think about the different ways that a variety of voices can and have spoken into the lives of our young people. And so one of the things we started doing at our church was we started using summers and Bible classes during summers to really leverage this. Because you're off at camp or on a mission trip or doing all, so you can't do a series, right? You can't do anything really coherent necessarily because you're 18 different places or if you're not 18 different places, you're getting back from 18 different places the night before. So we would uh, do a cross section of the um, church and say, hey, can Alan, will you tell your story? just need 15 minutes to tell your story. And we give them some prompts, some prompts like this, right? So we're not just tell your story. It's like, hi, I'm Alan, and I'm the effective. No, we give them some, you know, tell them some successes, some failures, your history at the church. So Mr. Ken, true story. Mr. Ken was the nerdiest guy in the world. He works with water. I don't know, works with the government and does water, can talk your ear off about water. I'm like, Ken, can you tell your story? Sure, I'll tell your story. I mean, nerd. And I think I'm a nerd. It takes one to know one. Nerd. Woody knows this, Ken. Ken gets up, starts talking about his time at UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara. Played water polo. Everyone's like, what? Because Ken's like 5'8". But if he turns sideways, he disappears. Right. He's just rail thin. And then he starts talking about his time. Yeah, I didn't, didn't have any direction, didn't have this. 
I would do mushrooms, and then I would do that, and I was like, what? I mean, it was one of those, you know, once was lost, but now I'm found kind of story. And you're like, Ken is the nerdiest person. He's the last person anyone picked to have been kind of drug addict for a season in his life. And he is as squeaky clean as the water he tries to purify. I just made that up. That's, right. That's yeah. very good. Last, <laughs> should have been in the book. Last is uh, uh, Miss Ann. And Miss Ann was a spiritually single mom in our church. You know what I'm talking about. She's married, but her husband doesn't go to church, and she's telling her story, and she's really preaching to the girls, saying, you think this is a once-a-week issue that you have to face in your marriage, and it's a daily thing, because it affects this part of our life and this part of our life. She said, don't get me wrong, I'd marry the same guy twice again, but it's hard, and you got to know that. And you could have heard a pin drop that day when she was telling her story. So... um Great chapter, and we'll talk more about how you can, can use it, but you can go through this with your families, and it kind of takes the edge off of volunteering in youth ministry. Uh, a lot of people, big, small churches, it doesn't matter, you ask them to volunteer in youth ministry, what do they think they're doing? Everything. It's everything. Like, if I go into that room, because they've seen adults go into the youth room and never come back to their spaces. <laughs> So it gives us specifically something to do, and we go into all kinds of details in the book. You know, you got to have a beginning and end to volunteering because maybe they need to leave. And it's not a death sentence. It's something to come alongside. It helps them assist in youth ministry, okay, and not feel like they're losing themselves but keeping their own identity. Um, we start with affirmation and failure in this book. It's not very alphabetical. If you look at Practical Wisdom for Youth Ministry, it's kind of arranged in alphabetical order. This is not... Because we want parents to know, adults to know, uh, leaders to know that this is an affirming process. But also, how do you handle failure? Because failure happens. My first big trip, I went from Lubbock to Daytona Beach, Florida for a mission experience. I made the trip in two days. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, it's two 10-hour days, no big deal. I didn't factor in meals. I, I didn't factor how long it took two or three bands to stop for meals. <laughs> um, some of the kids that went on that trip, were they really going for a mission or Daytona, Daytona Beach? Daytona Beach, right? I mean, I'm from Lubbock, Texas. I've seen the ocean. Some of these kids are like, dude, we see sand without water. We're going to go to sand with water. And it really was a great mission, but they were so exhausted by the time they got there. There were problems. And on the way back, they were so spent. I had kids mooning other kids from a balcony of our only hotel stop. And I'm like, dude, I'm done. You know, it, was a, it was a failure moment. I was 22 years old at that moment. And adults let me go off with their kids. I mean, it's crazy. And I had some adults, but they still remember that. I actually, to prove a point, because I wanted to have rules, I told the kids, this is really bad, okay? Um, I was at Epcot, and we were Disney World, and that was our play day, which is really cool. But since we had to get up so early the next day to start our travel, we didn't stay for fireworks. I said, okay, oh. I need to be. I don't. Okay, don't judge me. Um, it was bad. I'm like, okay, um, 10 o'clock, I need you at the van. Four kids did not come to the van. So I left them. Now, listen, before cell phones, I, I came back and got them. I loaded everybody up 
We went to a Burger King. We ate and then came back and all those kids were sitting there. I mean, I, I should have been fired to this day. One of them flies sea stallions off the Kitty Hawk aircraft carrier. And he still remembers. He goes, do you remember when you left us? And I'm like, stop telling that story. I should have been fired. I don't know how they weren't abducted. Horrible failure. But the church came alongside me and said, okay, let's talk more about process, Mr. 22-year-old. So failure really does matter. I find out in a lot of the students that we put, we have more jobs available than we have youth ministers. And some of them have had internships, some of them really haven't. Trying to help adults now. How do you deal with the student when failure happens? Because it's, it's going to happen. Um, just please take a look at this. <laughs> Can you believe that? That is my favorite fail in the entire world. That was not mine. I... That would have been a great meeting to be a part of. Failure is not, it took y'all a little bit slower if you're on the tape audience, it's WTF, Worship, Teaching, and Friends, Use Your Imagination. Now, um, we take them on the theological portion, I think it's very important to list all of the failures in the Bible and the consequences of those failures. That's where it starts theologically. Every one of these individuals, Charlton Heston, um, whoever's playing King David, um, Abraham, Adam and Eve, no comment needed. Abraham was a good liar. Charlton Heston was a murderer. He just had somebody murdered because he got his wife pregnant. I mean, that's a lot of failure. They would not have made the cut of any of our church uh, security programs. But failure is just a part of our journey, right? And all of us have done that. So today, I don't know if you've noticed, um, when I was growing up, when you were growing up, if we had a problem and an adult called my mom or dad, what would my parents say to that adult? Thank you for bringing it to our attention. Today, and I work in a public school, if a kid's like, something's wrong, um, the parent attacks you and says it's not fair, or if there's video evidence, they'll say what happened to the other kid that's all about equity and things of that nature. We don't handle failure very well because we don't like our kids to fail because fail happens to be bad. But you and I all know that we have to normalize failure because that's how we get to the next point. So we talk about a lot of those stuff in that chapter that's kind of good just for adults to hear, but also we get to the point where we're like, what happens when that youth minister fails? And uh, we get very personal. Simply put, instead of calling for the removal of the youth minister in the midst of failure, manage your emotions, share your wisdom, and process the situation until the responsibility for the failure is truly Located. In other words, you may be wrong in placing the responsibility of failure on the youth minister. Hard truth time. More often than we would like to admit, a youth minister is held responsible and terminated for a failure they did not create and one that should not be placed at the feet of the church leaders who hired them. Post-COVID, in the middle of COVID, this was written on the other side of COVID. Uh, where's our students? literally on the phone, on the plane here with the Baptist church who are firing their minister because all of a sudden it's not the grand 80s, 70s youth ministry that they thought was going to happen because some things have changed in the metrics, but it has to be his fault. Have you all heard that? They just don't have the personality. They just don't have the skills. Sometimes they may have the skills, but the results aren't the same. Church I was doing a consultation with, the families left not because of the youth minister that was hired. They left 
because the church was not doing well, but they blamed the youth minister. And so on the way out, fortunately, I told the elders, you need to talk to those couples. They're saying it's a youth minister, but it's you. Now, I have gray hair, about to meet Jesus. I can say it, right? Um, but that guy would have really had a rough start if somebody wanted to come and say, the failure is not on them. That's what these families are saying because they don't have enough courage to say that y'all really aren't leading very well right now. You see what I'm saying? So we get to say that in the book, and it feels very lethargic. So, um, cathartic, rather. <laughs> you fall asleep. It's a boring chapter. We give them the five Ps. Okay, here's that's where I stopped reading. He's like, I'm going to bed. I'm sleeping right now. Be private. This is this is significant. If you have a problem with the youth ministry, you go to them. Matthew 18, go figure, right? Go to them. Be private about this. Um, we live in a world, social media, whatever, we get into camps, okay? Before you go there, be very private. Then, two, be very personal. Walter, I have a problem. This is what I hear. Because if you come to me, and we train our people this way, Josh, many people are saying, now Josh is old and getting ready to meet Jesus too. Josh may say, who are these many, please? Because everybody overspeaks. Because if they say, um, okay, I have a problem, then it's all personal and people get nervous. It's a lot easier if you say, well, many people, and I've been elected, because it makes you feel better. That, that's why we start with be private, be very personal, and then you pursue a solution to it. You're not there to say, well, my kid's very upset. That may be where you start, but what is the solution to this? And we tell them how to do that, okay? And we walk them through those steps. And then how do you check on progress? Okay, I was 22 years old, made a horrible mistake in traveling. Um, I wanted someone to come and say, okay, how are you doing on next year's trip? Have you done X, Y, and Z? There's no problem with that. If you have your parent, you have more experience. Many of us didn't have kids when we were first. Fine, maybe we made a mistake, but instead of firing us, be private, personal, pursue something, help us with the progress, and then praise the change. We have to learn how to deal with failure. And then we uh, say, this is the now section there. Okay, you decide how you're going to handle conflict. You know, managing your emotions, all that. Commit and then practice to this type of philosophy. And then you bathe the whole thing in prayer. Because failure is just a part of it. So one of my uh, worst failures, and I love to joke, but I, I really, um, I didn't mean anything by it. There's a, and I'm going to say the whole thing because I need to give you context. Uh, there was a family that had two disabled children. One of them was very high functioning. And I've known them since before they were in youth group. This was when I was at Greenlawn. Um, and, and I could tell when the young man was lying to me because he didn't blink. And it was interesting because I had him do a devotional one time and he started telling the story how he was doing this the whole time. There was a girl that went to my school and I told her I hate her. And then she was found dead by the dumpsters after. And I'm not even making this up. And all the kids looked at me and one of my deacons started laughing and walked out of the room. And I'm like, Jason, um, that's his name. Um, you don't know his last name. I'll be careful. Um, you don't, did, I would have heard about this. And he's like, yeah. And I mean, it was all a lie. But I grew up with this. But he was so functional. And I just thought at camp one year, he hated bears. So my friend Josh, who's now the dean of students at Lubbock Christian, um, he was in charge of all the volunteers. So we decided we would put scrapes on the side of his cabin 
and make bear paws and don't, Woody, don't look at me that way. And it was so bad. And um, we tried to convince him there was a bear and he, and I didn't know he wasn't sleeping until one day he's on the couch and he wasn't doing his duties. And I walk up to him, I go, and he wakes up. Yeah, I'm a bad person. Um, now, we actually had bears walk through camp the last day. <laughs> and so we had to get all the staff together. Guys, again, if you have food, you balance it, we got to get out of the cabins because we just literally shot one over here with a rubber bullet. And he freaked out, screaming, snotting, just like, ah, and stuff. And I go, I am so, you know, just, hey, things are going to be fine. He's like, but there's been bears all around my cabin. And I said, Jason, I, I, I'm sorry. That, that wasn't real. This is real. That wasn't real. And he looked at me. And he goes, so you were lying to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. And I'm very sorry. I mean, I've never, ever done anything like that again. Yeah, and you're like, dude, did you really make it a mentally disabled kid think that? Yes, I did. And it was awful. Um, it was bad. It was bad. Um, but there was a deacon there that was like a brother to me that would pull me aside and say, lesson learned? You don't need to do that. You're not that funny, are you? I said, no. I said, yeah, let's not do that again. Because failure's not fatal, but we all do that. And so we try to help people manage emotions, how you go through those things. I think it's important. One of the, one of the t- two questions we get from churches a lot is, who do you have available for a youth minister? And number two is, how much should you pay them? It's a huge question, right? And uh, money's not everything, but it's still important. Um, so I think there's a couple things. I want to skip through a couple of these things really quick, um, you know, because there are so many passages about money in Scripture. But um, here's what I help churches think through is what kind of resources do we have available? Because um, a lot of churches take this as, well, you're a youth minister, you're taking a vow of poverty for the Lord. Some churches do that, unashamedly. But I think there's some other better options to look at. Next is, view, um, view uh, your youth ministry as an entry-level position. When I was working for the church here at um, university, um, it was an entry-level position. And they knew that they could not grow with me because we had limited resources, limited people, and we were pouring our resources in a bunch of different areas. And so when my wife and I exchanged a special hug and she became pregnant, we um, (laughs) wanted her, that's a different class, we wanted her to uh, stay home. Um, And we also wanted to have shelter. And we couldn't do both. And our heart grieved on that. But what this church did for those five years we were here was poured into us. They said, you're not going to be here 25 years like Scott Lambert or Dan Anders. <coughs> but in the five years you're here, they gave me release time to work on my MDiv. They gave me a budget so I could go to use specialties and room with Woody. And Woody could take a picture of me and Rich Mullins. <laughs> I mean, it's good times. But you're not going to get six figures. Well, you are, but two of those digits are going to be behind the decimal point. (laughs) So that's one. And then 
Um, another way is compensation is based on position. So I, when I moved from here, I went to Northern California. I knew I was going to get compensated based on my education and my experience. Um, oh, wait. Not based on my position. Because here's, some, here's the way some churches do is uh, you're a pastor, you get paid a youth minister, you get paid X. Your preaching minister, you get paid 2X. And what's that do? It builds resentment in your staff. Um, and, it, and it communicates to you vividly, here's what we really value. And then the last, and I think this is the place churches need to really adopt, is compensation is based on experience. So when I moved to Northern California, I knew that had I put in 10 years like Gary did, or 15 years like Randy did, I'd be getting paid about that same level. And man, that built camaraderie. I felt valued and respected there. And now I get not every church can do that. But you, parents, serving on those search teams can hold elders' feet to the fire on some of these things. Or saying, you know what? We're an entry-level position church. Be upfront about it. I've got, again, I've got eight kids who are looking for jobs right now that would love an entry-level position. Hey, I'll give you three to five years of good ministry. It's going to be solid ministry, and then after five years, we'll just say, you know, love you, you know, and go on your way, be you warm and fed. The other thing I tell churches to do is just look up what uh, your local high school teacher makes. All you have to do is Google it. So, and it takes forever, though, to find this information. So you put in, like, Williamson County School Teacher Salary Scale, and then you've got to hunt through all these, um, all these different, no, you don't. It's a tough one. And boom, there's your schedule. And you can see how many years of experience and what's their level of education. And then I tell churches, do this. Try to, if you can, either match that, but better, add 10 to 20%. Because my wife's not going to be working July, June, part of August, right? Your youth minister better be working June, July, part of August, right? So that gives them some good ballparks on that. Um, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time um, on that. So how do we share this stuff with others? Here's some great ideas. If you're a youth pastor in the room or if you're one of the moms or dads in your youth ministry, um, here's a couple things you can do. First is simply just teach a ch chapter at your next parent meeting. Just come up, read the chapter, or even have them read it beforehand and just talk about it for 10 minutes in your parents' meeting. Second is uh, get copies for your elders and do a book club meeting with your elders. So buy them all copies. You can buy them today if you want to. Um, take them home with you today. Um, tomorrow, uh, Sunday's what? Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. Mother's Day. Great gift. Anyways. Um, Great Mother's Day gift. Or here's this. Just buy some copies and just start giving them to parents. Right. Because there are some of these parents, you know who that parent is. You want to go, you really need to read this part. My wife hates that graphic. But she, what do you know that parent? Right. And then, uh, or just share with stakeholders. So some of the things that you'll find in the book, um, it's amazing. I, I was just videotaping. A um, lot more information in here. Let me kind of point out something that I really like. Uh, the, the end matter that's not on here, uh, we have 
And I, do you have the copy of the book? The end matter, at the very end of us writing, we went ahead and put out on Facebook. Some of you responded to this. Uh, what would you tell, if you're an adult that works in ministry, if you're a youth ministry professional, what would you tell people that they need to know about working with the youth minister? And it, we got a lot of responses. They were so good, we just kind of took them all and put them at the end of the book. And it was affirming because these chapters that we wrote on, it was all affirmed by you that this is something that our parents needed to know. So we go into conflict, how to do that, friendship, serving, partnership, wisdom, discipleship, uh, parenting, discipline, which is an interesting chapter, internships, hiring and firing. One thing that we do here, this is two chapters I wrote. I, I really tried to, to uh, tell churches that when you hire a youth minister and his family, it's always personal because you're messing with their calling and you're inviting them into your family. So it's not like any other hiring and firing. And we give them questions. And, of course, we tell them to look at the compensation part. That's why it comes right afterwards. We talk about Sabbath um, and what a Sabbath is. And in the end matter, we actually say, here's really what a Sabbath looks like. It's not just a time I'm going to call you every week and you get to write down exactly what you're learning. It's not necessarily a time of learning. It's a time of refreshing. And we talk about the other kinds of Sabbath and training where it is a time of education. So... We, I think we hit just about every detail in this, and um, there's more to be at you were going to say. Yeah, and so what we really wanted to do is, especially for, for parents in your youth ministry, is to give you a whole variety, a whole mm -hmm. spectrum of entry-level points into your ministry. Yeah, and these chapters are four or five pages. Some of these are longer than, than uh, in the Red Book, Practical Wisdom, um, because it needed a little more fleshing out because there was a context we had to set with every chapter, so people who weren't aware of what we do could kind of understand that. But um, it, it really is five to ten, ten chapters at most, five, ten pages at most, so you can take one of these and share them at a parent meeting. And what we found, this has sold really well because people are using them for their, their parents as a conversation starter, especially those who are just starting out, yeah. um, to say, hey, this is what we want you to do with us. So Somebody yesterday just said, yeah, here's what I do, what I'm going to do with this. In August, when I have brand new youth group parents, I'm going to give them all a copy as they come in. Right? Mm -hmm. We're like, are you a big church? Good. No. Um, <laughs> we no. really don't get a lot of money. I mean, we, we, we believe did. in the resource, because honestly, <clears throat> this is a price... And he could tell you about it. He's the, the big guru of everything technology-wise. Um, you don't make money from writing books about ministry. We'll just let you know That's this. not it, true. It, That's not true. We got our royalty statement for our first quarter. Yes, we did. Tell them about that. And uh, we uh, each earned uh, $3.02. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So we're going to get a Mickey bar tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. We broke Disneyland. even. We so broke even. Have to share it. Uh, but they must have given you $100,000 up front, right? Oh, oh, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we're here. $100,000 uh, attaboys. <laughs> so um, it, it really is, and, and I, it's, it's a, a resource ministry. that I think it's going to bless your youth ministry, okay? And so it's, it's not something that it's a get-rich thing or anything like that. Um, we say that just because we're in a class with all of our peers and we want to beat you to the joke. That's it. Okay, that's the whole reason. Um, we do have a bunch here. We, if, if you'd like to pick those up, and here is what, you know, three for $10 each. That's not very much. Uh, we also have this one, uh, Practical Wisdom. This is what we teach to uh, our 
youth ministry students in the classroom. This is it, it, it's a great book if you have an intern, summer yeah. intern, and want to kind of train them for vocational youth ministry too. And it's kind of interesting too. Veteran guys are reading this, going, "Okay, this is this is important." Just kind of a, a flashback to to what's important. So you can pick both of those up today. Um, we have a square set. You want to explain how that works, and then we can just scan it with your camera, buy it there, show us your receipt, and take your books. That's yeah, it. no big deal. All right, we have all of two minutes. <clears throat> Any questions, comments? Anybody looked at the book? What would you say about it? They might have been read. Did you read some of it? Did you look at. I'm not quite through it, but uh, helpful. It's it's very helpful. Of course, you know it's it's been interesting to have lived through you know full time youth ministry and now um, a parent on the outside, mm -hmm. and uh, I've got three daughters that are at that age, so. Um, and even even though I lived it and experienced the challenges that a youth minister has, that now 15 years later, it's amazing how you can forget mm -hmm. where they were at. And so it's been a very effective reminder of how I need to come alongside. And for the recorded audience, you're sitting next to your youth minister right now, and y'all are in the same space. Is that not the same space? Y'all are? Yeah. We're at a different, different Oh, that's right. You're different. He, he'll be back. It's all right. I know. <laughs> Winning back at him. Winning back at him. There you go. Any Anybody else? Okay. Thank y'all so much for being here. Yep. How many of y'all are going to be at the youth minister's lunch? I hear you got to pay for it, but I'll see you over there. Walter, do you want to pray us out? Or? Father, being a parent of teens is not an easy task. Being a parent of teen and trying to figure out how to help in a youth ministry is even harder. Um, we pray that as we go from this place that there are just ways that we can continue to partner together with parents and with our youth ministers and to, most importantly, showing Jesus to teens. Building um, healthy cultures in our churches where, um, where teens can vividly see Jesus from a mom who helps design t-shirts um, to a dad who drives a bus on a youth, youth trip to a, 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 a recent grad who does your database. Help us to find our places in our ministries to show Jesus to our teams. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.